This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Usual Wines. All right, full disclosure, I'm not a huge wine drinker. I don't have a wine fridge or a wine cellar, and I hate that partially used bottle rolling around in the fridge. But Usual Wines just changed the game. Their wines are made with minimal intervention, no added sugar, and no other additives. And that means no nitrates that give some of the people in my house a headache the next day. Their growing practices in a truly clean wine were huge draws for me, but the 6.3 ounce bottle size sealed the deal. That's just one really nice glass of wine, or like I did the first time I tried it, I split one with my daughter. That way I feel like I can have a glass of wine on a weeknight, even though I have an early morning the next day. So check out their website at www.usualwines.com and use my discount code MIGHTY, all in caps, to get $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. Then let me know about your experience. This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses Plus. We may not be able to take our getaway vacations this summer, but we can still travel and be adventurous with The Great Courses Plus. We can explore so many places from America's state parks to ancient worlds. My family is psyched about the new course, Exploring the Mayan World. Actually, one of my girls tossed it in the queue before I even knew the course was out. I'm sure she's ready to dive in and learn about their spiritual practices, and she is going to love being able to witness a blessing ceremony. I personally love that it was filmed on location in the northern Yucatan, so I'll get a little bit of travel in right from my couch at home. If you're ready to travel, explore, learn, then get your free trial at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting. Again, that's a free trial at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, reminding you to pop over to MightyParenting.com and get the email series on how to talk to your teen. Welcome to today's show where we are talking about adversity, bullying, and success. We know that our kids are dealing with a lot these days, including bullying, and we know that bullying can have a significant impact on our kids' lives. But what if that impact wasn't all negative? Today's guest is someone who was bullied when he was in school, and he went on to become an entrepreneur. And then he noticed something. He noticed that many successful entrepreneurs were bullied. And so he began digging and he's now written a book on what he discovered. And he talks about how to take the adversity of being bullied and turn it around to entrepreneurial success. His name is Randy Ginsberg and he is the author of Adversity to Advantage, How to Overcome Bullying and Find Entrepreneurial Success. Randy, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you reaching out to me to come on the show. I have to say that this is the first time that anyone has 
presented me a positive, I don't want to say a positive side to bullying because this is just not something that we want to happen, but, you know, positive things that we can take from an unfortunate or a bad experience. And so I, I appreciate that you found that silver lining and are sharing that with the world. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you never want to wish that upon anyone, especially your children. But at the same time, I felt in my own experience, and we'll talk about it a bit more in depth, that I actually learned a lot and helped it, the bullying helped me grow and develop as an adult and even as um, a business person and just a professional to a great degree. And so initially, when I decided that I wanted to write a book and I had always been very entrepreneurial, I started to look inward and find why I chose to pursue entrepreneurship, why I became interested in business, why I chose to study it at school. And a lot of that actually stemmed from my initial experiences with bullying. And so my next thought was, oh, well, are there more successful entrepreneurs, more established people who have already had a proven track record that were also bullied as kids and how were they able to use these experiences to help them grow as well. So like you mentioned, for the last year and a half, I spent my time um, interviewing and studying a handful of diverse entrepreneurs from all different ages, backgrounds, countries, and kind of looked for what made them in their bullying experiences, what helped them grow and what turned them into the successful people that they are today. Well, it reminds me of talking to people who've been through a very difficult time. And once they've come out the other end of it, I don't think anyone has ever said anything other than, would I want to actually do that again? No. But going through that helped me become the person I am or helped me get to this point in my life or helped me see this important thing. So yes, I would go through that terrible experience again to get to this point. And that's kind of what I've heard you say about bullying is that it's a terrible experience, but it can shape you in ways that can really help you be successful. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of the cliche, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger, but it's true. You speak to so many, not just entrepreneurs, but successful people, and they've all experienced some type of adversity and some type of hardship and overcoming that if they just had the easy path and hadn't faced any of these obstacles not only would they might not be where they are today but they wouldn't be as strong they wouldn't be as resilient and they wouldn't have the right and the same perspective as they do if they just had the uh, easy way and bullying is definitely an issue uh, there's they're conflicting opinions on whether it's on the rise or on the decrease because it depends on which study and this and that but the fact of the matter is is that whether it's going up or down it is there it exists it's always been in schools but i think it's different now and randy you are younger you're in your early 20s so i think that you can help us as parents of teens and 20 somethings help us get a little um, better picture of what it looks like now because certainly things change over time and bullying is one of those things that pieces of it stayed the same and pieces of it are different. But before we get into the entrepreneurship piece, I would appreciate if you could share a little bit about your story just to help us get a picture of, of what happened with you and, and what's happening out there in the world these days. Yeah, definitely. So 
I grew up in a small suburb of New York and there are a lot of type A personalities and a lot of, there was just this frowned upon idea that if you were different, like most places, if you were different, you would um, be bullied and especially kids in the middle school ages can be ruthless and they haven't fully developed all the um, social aspects and awareness yet. And so I was always very small I was skinny, I had long, greasy, blonde hair, buck teeth, acne, any appearance trait that you could probably make fun of, um, aside from skin color, I had. And so that was the main source of the bullying initially. And I took a lot of verbal harassment and a lot of it came um, from the cyberbullying aspect too, which is a whole new um, development that has come in the last probably 10, 15 years. And so a lot of it came from friends. And that was the weird part because you traditionally think of bullying as isolation, sitting alone at the lunch table and no one really wants to hang out with you. But for me, I was always very athletic. I was on all the sports teams. I was in after school activities and just very involved in my community. But at the same time, while I had friends, there were also those who my friends who were bullying me as well. And those who weren't bullying me were bystanders, but were scared to intervene. Because at that age, you might see something happening, but you don't want to go and attract the attention to yourself because you're also nervous about bringing that onto yourself and what other people will think. So I found myself in a very interesting position where I would always have plans. And I grew up in a predominantly Jewish town. So I was invited to all the bar mitzvahs and all the birthday parties. But then when I would get there, I was um, bullied and it had a super profound effect on um, my mental health in terms of depression and anxiety and my physical health where I was getting migraines and stomach aches and I started to fake sick to avoid soccer practices or avoid bar mitzvahs or just school. And this was all going on and I'm an only child and have two amazing parents that were so involved in my life. But at the same time, I never told them anything that was going on and because it seemed like I had so many friends and I was always being invited to things they really had no idea that this was going on until I was um, 18 and so until after everything had been settled and then I went and told them and they were completely blown away and of course as parents they felt um, sad they felt like it was right under their nose and they missed it the whole time they wished what they could do better but for a lot of the cases, because um, studies have shown that around only 30% of children ever will go to speak to an adult about being bullied. So in the 70%, you have all these kids who are keeping it to themselves, letting their emotions um, bubble up and just dealing with everything else that goes on in growing up. And it can end up being a very uh, detrimental time. So there are a couple of different things I want to talk about in there. And the first is what you said, which is that these were your friends who were actually doing the bullying. And I think that's just really hard to wrap our heads around is one, why, you know, kids would bully a friend, but also two, what was it that made you stay friends with these kids and continue to intentionally hang out with them and spend time with them when they were the source of such pain for you? Yeah, I think it's two part because on one hand, um, you don't want to be alone. I think isolation is one of the feelings that especially when you're seeking peer acceptance, 
if you're with friends, even if, cause some, it wasn't constant bullying. Some days would be great. I'd really enjoy it. Or some days it was a lot and I would go home super upset. So instead of having absolutely nothing, it was all right, I'm going to go through this and put myself through it and see how it shaped out. And then at the other time I would have soccer practices. I would have basketball practices. I was always with these kids by default. So I needed to be around them, which was another part where I would carpool with them. I would go to their houses before practice. And it was just something that kept um, developing and snowballing. And I did enjoy the company of a lot of these kids, but they were also um, the bad eggs who were the leaders and might have had people gang up. And it was just a very interesting dynamic. But I think for me personally, I would rather have gone through that than be completely alone. Well, that makes sense, right? We are social creatures by nature. Most of us really, especially as middle school kids, high school kids, we gravitate toward the friends and the group and and that kind of thing. And like you said, you were such an involved kid. So as a parent, you know, I'm kind of putting myself in, in your parents' shoes and going, you know, it appeared that everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And the one question that parents always ask when something really difficult or terrible happens with two our kids, why didn't they tell me? Why mm-hmm. didn't they say something? And you certainly aren't alone. As you said, the statistics are that 70% of kids don't speak up. So for you, at least, why didn't you speak up to anybody? Yeah, I think it's very um, specific to the relationship that the kids have with their parents. For me, now I'm very close to my parents. At the time when I was growing up, um, I wasn't nearly as close. I didn't tell them as much about my life in general. And for the bullying specific stuff, I was honestly embarrassed of it. And not only was I embarrassed, but I knew that since they were traditionally very overprotective and they weren't afraid to speak their mind that if I told them something, they would then go and act on it to protect me. And while that was great, I was afraid of the backlash that would come from whether it was going to um, school and then the kids getting in trouble and then me getting bullied more behind closed doors when they weren't there for tattling or whatever the fear was, I felt that it was better for me to just deal with it on my own as opposed to um, getting them involved. And I think for some kids who have gone through it and even some of the um, people who I interviewed and we spoke about, did you tell your parents? Did you tell any adults? Some definitely did. And some of those people gave, some of the adults gave great advice that ultimately helped carry the um, entrepreneurs and the people through this experience. But a bunch of them also didn't for the same reason that they um, were embarrassed and would have rather dealt with it on their own terms. And it's interesting to me because here at Mighty Parenting, we talk a lot about the way that we want to go about building relationship or strengthening our relationship with our teens. And a big part of that is that as parents, we need to pull back from doing things in our kid's life to more of a, like almost a coaching role where we're, we're listening and maybe we're guiding, we're asking you guys, well, you know, how do you feel about that? What do you think you could do about that? And let you come up with solutions and things you can do. And it sounds to me like that style of a relationship with your parents would have been a supportive factor for you that maybe you would have been more likely to open it up because 
while you still might have been embarrassed about the bullying itself, because you're a human being and, and none of us like to be ostracized, we feel like there's something we did. But that flip side of you're afraid of what your parents are going to do, because I can totally see that. And I could totally see my kids going, oh, geez, she's going to go all mama bear and this is going to get bad. I'm not telling her. Yeah. <laughs> but having that having your parents show you a different way of behaving, one that lets you be in control of your life. Do you think that that type of a relationship would have been more, um, more encouraging for you to open up to them? Yeah, hundred percent. And as I got older and I was, like I said, I was the only child. I was their first kid. We were both um, learning together. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, that was something that gradually improved a lot. And I think, the fact that they were so controlling at a young age was also part of the reason that I've had this entrepreneurial spirit, this desire for control, this desire to make my own decisions and do things on my own. And growing up, I was always very independent. I was very entrepreneurial. I was the hustler type of going door to door and snow shoveling or lemonade stands or selling snapples out of my locker at school, just all these little things that I was very creative with and that eventually snowballed into my first business in high school. And this was where my parents' relationship also start to, or the relationship with myself and my parents also started to improve. So I had always loved sneakers and fashion and especially sneakers. And at the time I'd always wanted the new Nikes or Jordans and my parents were not going to pay the $200 for the sneakers unless I found a job and worked for them myself. So I go mom and dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so instead of the Nikes and Jordans, I had whatever my dad picked up from Kohl's. And not only one did I want the sneakers, but it was also something that I got bullied for not having um, the nicest clothing or sneakers. So I wanted to figure out a way of how I would be able to get these and work for them without taking on a normal job. And at the time, social media and Facebook, and I was around 12 years old, and or yeah 12 13 and facebook had started to become really popular and there were all of these communities and groups on facebook where people would buy sell and trade um new and used collectible sneakers and so for a while i would just go home and look at like window shop basically and just look at the sneakers and see what i liked and learn more about how much they went for what they were made out of what brands were popular because that's what interested me but then one day I said, I realized, okay, I might be able to turn this into a business. So I convinced my parents to give me an $150 loan to buy my first pair of sneakers that I was gonna um, flip for a profit. And they were super skeptical and like reluctantly gave me the money. And I thought it was gonna be super easy. And those sneakers sat for two months and they were just like, where are the damn things? Like, it's your birthday present, whatever. And eventually they sold for 220 and with those two with the 220 I bought two more pairs and then traded one of those pairs and sold the other and just gradually continued to flip and snowball these until I had um, around a thousand dollars where like anything you buy in bulk you get cheaper so I'd buy three four five pairs at a time and then flip those and it ended up turning into a really profitable business that I carried through for around three years in high school and not only did that helped me learn money management, it helped me learn business acumen, it helped me and my parents grow and form a better relationship because they were helping me pack up the boxes, they were driving me to the post office, they were still very involved in that, but it also gave me the confidence 
with my peers and with everyone else to kind of escape this track of bullying and redefine myself as uh, the sneaker kid or the fashion kid. And that was something that I became known for and had a really profound effect on um, my life and then my relationship with my parents as well. I love that you did something so out of the box in that you did this in high school mm-hmm. and started learning those lessons. Did the entrepreneurship, I, I, I get that you your entrepreneurship benefited from things you learned and we'll get into that. But do you feel that that business that you started grew out of the bullying incidents? Yeah, to definitely to a great degree because of the fact that one of the things that I was bullied about was not having the coolest sneakers or having shopping everything at Kohl's because I did happen to grow up in a fairly wealthy town where kids were fortunate enough to have um, a lot of the nicest, newest things. And while my parents were totally able to provide anything that I really needed, they weren't flashy. They weren't going to spend money just to spend money. They really made sure I knew the value of a dollar and that you need to work for what you want. And so that wasn't the case with me. And like I mentioned, because I was bullied for that, it gave me that drive and that kind of grit and chip on my shoulder to want those things and want to work for them. And so that really birthed um, the idea for the business. I, I love that you went that route with it and that you saw that connection later, as you said, you know, now you went back and kind of looked at, okay, yes, you, you always had some drive and things as a kid, but in your book, you talk about all these different things that you learned from being bullied and things that you found through other entrepreneurs stories as well. And you came up with, Hey, you know, again, well, yes, we don't want this to happen and we want schools to use evidence-based programs to help reduce bullying. In the meantime, you know, if your kids have experienced this or some other adversity, there's some good that can come out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that you talked about was EQ. Could you share a little bit about exactly what that is and why it's important and how it grew out of your bullying experience? Yeah, so EQ and emotional intelligence is just having the whereabouts and the awareness to know yourself and self-awareness, but also your social interactions and understand other people's emotions and social settings and having empathy and morality and just everything that's baked into this idea of interacting with people intelligently. And so this was something that I personally found that I went from being a kid who was afraid, self-claimed afraid of attention very socially anxious, afraid of being judged, afraid to get up in a class and publicly speak and do anything of the sort. And now it's become one of my biggest um, strong suits. And I think that directly stemmed from um, my bullying and stemmed from the entrepreneurship aspect. And one of the most interesting things that I found in my research was that with every single entrepreneur who I interviewed, they thought that having gone through an experience such as bullying significantly increased their sense of empathy and their sense of morality and the sense of wanting to treat someone the same way that, or wanting to treat someone the same way that they would want to be treated. And that directly translated into their leadership style, professionally, their social style with um, their peers and their family, and also their negotiation style and 
the way that they run their business, the way that they deal with hirings and firings and just so many different things that we might not think that we have, uh, we do on a daily basis, but we might not think can stem from something so far in the past as bullying actually really gave them the sense of perspective. Interesting. And that is actually another one of those things when we talk to managers and business people and hiring managers, that's something that they look for in employees. Mm-hmm. And, and leadership is the big buzzword. I know when my girls were doing their college apps, everything was about leadership, 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 leadership. And EQ is a, a component of that leadership. And it's something that hiring managers and, and managers in the business world will tell you, they can't teach that. They can teach you all kinds of skills, but they can't teach you leadership and they can't teach you EQ. So having that, or even being as a parent, being able to talk to our kid about, you know, I am so sorry that you're going through this. And here's things I, I've seen you grow in. I see that you are very empathetic. I see that you have this uh, caring and concern for people. I see that you can read people well. And to be able to show them some of the good that's come out of it seems like that would also help bolster their self-esteem and, mm-hmm. and maybe help them move through this difficult time. Yeah, definitely. And I think the two parts, one, the just going back, one of the biggest foundational pieces of my research actually, and this is where the emotional intelligence part came in as well, was from a woman named Ellen Delara. And she is an author. She's a professor, psychologist, and runs her own um, practice as well. And she conducted a study of 900 adults, all who had been bullied ages 18 to 65, and came from all walks of life, all different professions. A couple were entrepreneurs, and you had doctors, lawyers, service workers, everything across the board. And what she found was that after interviewing these people in their adult lives, nearly 50% of them said that the bullying actually had a positive effect on their lives. And that was mind blowing to me. And that was one of the first, she was the first woman I interviewed because she teaches at Syracuse University, which is where I attended. And it was very um, easy to get in touch with her and meet her. And that was something where I heard that and I immediately, my jaw dropped and made me think of how many other people had this experience. And the way that they described it benefiting them was one, resiliency, um, being able to get through any type of adversity and helping them have that perspective and grow in the future, which is what we were talking about now, just showing that there's a bright spot. And I know there's a quote that every storm runs out of rain and just these ways to teach yourself to think resiliently and optimistically is so, so important. And then the next one that was up next was emotion, emotional intelligence and empathy and morality. And then the last was that people really found that came from this bullying was the idea of goal attainment and having this drive and this chip on their shoulder and the desire to prove themselves to the people who had mistreated them in the past. So I think when you show all of these positive qualities, all that are super essential and important to not only entrepreneurs, but just being successful in any field that you choose, while, like we said, you would never want to wish it upon anyone. If you can train yourself to think resiliently and frame the situation and the idea that nothing is permanent and this can actually be used as a um, lesson for growth and as a positive, it can actually be very powerful. 
So you told me before we started the conversation today that you just spoke to a uh, book club about your book. And so you were talking to parents yes. in there. And I'm curious what it was that they were most interested in knowing about. Yeah, I think it was one of the more important things was just looking for signs because like I said, I never told my parents a large percentage of children will never go to an adult. So how can a parent know without overstepping or without getting involved? And this is very situational, but I can share in my own experiences, I would always fake sick for, or come up with an excuse to not go to certain things that I used to love. So basketball was my favorite sport growing up. I would play for as many hours as you let me. I would watch it on TV all the time. I couldn't get enough of it. But then starting when the bullying happened, I started faking sick for practices. I started missing games. I started not wanting to go to tournaments and same things with just hanging out with certain groups of friends or soccer. And so if you see your son or daughter start to just look for the patterns, I guess, of whether it's faking sick or maybe reluctantly reluctancy to do something or go somewhere that um, they might have used to love, just pick up on those things because it can be, um, it could seem very hidden, but when you start to string along the patterns, it can start to get very apparent. And that actually goes hand in hand with mental and behavioral health issues. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that um, in Judy and Jeffrey's book, Warning Signs for Signs of Depression, Addiction, and Suicide in Our Kids, you just start looking for changes in their normal patterns. If they used to be super neat and now they're a total slob or vice versa, like you said, avoiding things that they used to love, avoiding people they used to enjoy hanging out with. Those are times for us as parents then to just not to jump down in, in down, jump down their throat or not to jump in and start taking over, but to start inquiring mm -hmm. and to start paying more attention and to have those conversations around, Hey, I've noticed that you've been feeling sick a lot lately. And it always seems to happen at the time of basketball practice. Exactly. Is yeah. there something going on? Yep things exactly like that. And I have another example just in my life. Um, Cause the other question was how, if we have kids who are willing to come and speak to us about it, how can we help them and how can we encourage them? And so I think most children, especially at the middle school age and even leading into high school, when they're bullied, it's bullying for some type of difference, whether that's something appearance-based or that's an interest, it's bullied because they're going against whatever the norm is at the time. And most of the time, especially in um, the stories of all of these successful people, the difference is actually what makes them successful. It's actually the best part about them. And so for me, an instance of being bullied over a different interest was when I was 10 years old, I decided that I wanted to try DJing and I'd always loved music. And I asked my parents for turntables for my birthday and vinyl records. And for a 10 year old, this was very, um, different. And so my parents decided to get me a beginner set of turntables and like three or four vinyl records. And we set them up in my room and I had really no idea what I was doing, but I'd watch some YouTube videos and learn. And I really, really enjoyed it. 
I invited my friends over to come and try it because I was so stoked about it. And they did not share the enjoyment at all with me and thought it was the weirdest thing ever. And then I would get to school and I started to get called names and nothing derogatory, but just being verbal harassment over the idea that I wanted to be a DJ because it seems so foreign and weird. And to me at the time, especially having previously gone through bullying, I was very self-conscious. I wanted to do whatever I could to make it stop and avoid the limelight or, or the negative limelight. And so I went home and asked them to return the turntables. And they were so caught up. They were like, why would you return them? Like, you love them. And I was just like, I didn't like it anymore. You know, I lied. And they didn't pick up on the fact that this was something that I'd really enjoyed and I'd been so passionate about and excited about. And then like on a dime, I come home and ask to return them. And then 15 years later, 10 years later, when I explain that to them, they're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, but it's there's some things when you're caught up in this that you don't realize can actually be complete um, behaviors like you mentioned, but can actually be telltale signs. What was interesting to me in there is you said you know, kids are bullied for being different and yet it's kind of like that difference can also be their superpower. Mm -hmm. And I know in your book, you talked about how you were being bullied for being different. And when you dressed to fit in, you actually got bullied even more. Yep because you weren't being yourself. Exactly. So again, I'm kind of looking at this as a parent going, all right, so maybe the conversation there is just an honest one that says, yeah, it, it's terrible and it's true that people who are different can get bullied for it. But it seems like if we encourage our kids to to love who they are and to embrace that, that that might help. In your story, and it seemed like in some of the others, bullying stopped when you, you got a little more self-esteem and you, you got a little more confident in who you were. I, what was, oh, what was the quote? I wrote it down and now I have to find it because I loved it. That basically, I think you said that um, there came a point where you were running your business, but you loved that business so much and you were so happy doing it that when the haters started hating on you, you actually embraced that, that you embraced the negativity that was being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of this, this weird mixture of, like I feel like we have to encourage them to still be themselves, but maybe help them find a way to, to channel that, that they're really excited about and that can help them build that self-esteem to kind of get out of the bullying situation. Yeah, no, you nailed it on the head because when I was talking with the, um, the moms and dads at book group, that, that was the second part. It was if our son, if we do know that he's being bullied, our son or daughter, and um, that he or she has, we know what it's about. We know that she really loves to sing, but the girls are bullying her because she's singing all the time. Do we tell her to tone it down or do we un like let her understand that you're talented? The reason why is because they're jealous or they can't do it or whatever way you want to frame it, which in a lot of the instances it's true and actually show that you're invested and encouraging them and helping them grow and making something special the same way that 
um, my parents did with the sneaker business. Because at first, of course, they were skeptical. But once they started to see that it picked up a little traction, they were so excited for me. They were asking me about it. Like I said, they were helping me pack up the shoes. They were driving me to the post office when I couldn't drive, driving me to um, Brooklyn and the city to set up tables and vendor events at these more in-person trade shows. You know, they made it part of their lives the same way that any good parent does with their kids, but to help encourage them and embrace that difference as opposed to saying, oh, my son wants to do dance, but every other son's playing soccer. I want to make him play soccer. I think if you go and embrace the son that wants to do dance, the girl who wants to do baseball or something that might be against the conventional norm, that's very powerful one for the parent, but also for um, the kid and can help them build up their self-esteem as well. And that, uh, that idea that you actually were able to step out of the bullying situation mm-hmm. was also very interesting to me. Can you tell us just a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, starting the business definitely gave me um, a sense of confidence, but it also gave me something that I felt like I had a purpose. I felt like it was a coping mechanism where I could get away from everything, just focus on that. And it was something that I really enjoyed. And I think finding that thing, and I talk about the state of flow where whatever you do, it feels like time doesn't pass. Um, It feels you're automatically happy. There's nothing else you'd rather be doing. Um, It's a state of contentment. And I think finding that thing, which is always evolving, but whatever it is at the time, and then harnessing that and just embracing that. And as a parent, encouraging your child to go and do that. If you have the means providing them whatever they need to go and do that um, is really powerful. So for me, I use the sneaker business and I use studying about fashion and taking courses at Fashion Institute of Technology during the summer and doing an internship. I use those all as coping mechanisms. And because I started to see success in myself or progress or regardless if it's monetary success or just progress, you make five free throws instead of three free throws. Um, That started to give me my own confidence. And then the bullying just really didn't um, matter anymore. Once I had the self-confidence in myself and saw that I was able to make something happen on my own, everything else kind of subsided. Okay, so this has been really interesting, and I just want to go back and and hit a couple of the main points here and see if I'm getting, you know, make sure that I'm getting the gist of it. And so, Randy, what I hear you saying is that bullying is a terrible thing. Nobody should have to get bullied. And I know in my research online that there are evidence-based programs that schools and communities can use that will help with that. That all being said, as parents... We aren't the ones implementing those programs. We're the ones on the front line helping our child. And so one is recognize that even if our child is being bullied, there's a very good chance they're not going to tell us. So we just need to be observant and look for Mm -hmm. patterns and changes in their normal behaviors and then build a relationship with them, build what we call a mighty parenting relationship, have mighty parenting conversations where we are not creating expectations. We're allowing them to set the pace, to control their own lives, to come up with ideas along with coaching and guidance from us, but also to encourage our kids to explore their interests, to do things that they enjoy, to be themselves, because 
learning about the areas that they're interested in and, and growing in an area or using something they're interested in to help them grow, help them learn, helps them build self-confidence, which can help them to not be bullied in the first place. It can also help them if they are being bullied or facing some other difficult situations, some other adversity, it gives them something to throw themselves into, to get in that state that you were talking about that is flow. And I know that we've had a couple of other shows where our guests have also given us a lot of other benefits for helping our kids when they follow their, um, you know, when we just encourage them and give them the resources they need to follow an area of interest that developmentally and from a mental behavioral health standpoint and from a happiness standpoint that that's just a great thing to do. And to hear you bringing that in through the bullying side as well, it makes that really interesting. Because, you know, we look at that as a parent and we just, we hurt if our kids are hurt and we want to do something, which is why we do the mama bear jump in and try and fix it, which as you said, just makes things worse. And I appreciate that you've been so great about coming out and sharing your story you know, you said in here as a kid, you were embarrassed about being bullied. And I imagine that there's still pain associated with that. Definitely. So coming out and sharing that to help other people, I think is a, is really great of you. And the way that you did this is through showing how it's been other entrepreneurs and you came up with your invent framework that you share in the book mm-hmm. for how to use um, adversity to lead you into success, which as you said today could be entrepreneurship, but you said it can also just be in, in another area, correct? This doesn't have to be just for entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, it could really apply to any field, any profession, and then also any type of um, adversity as well. A lot of the ideas of resilience and a lot of the psychology behind stress hardiness and responding to stressful situations can be applied across a variety of different situations. Okay, great. As always, in our show notes, we have links to you and your website. But for anyone who's listening, could you share your website so they'd be able to find you? Yeah, you can find anything about me and the book on randymginsburg.com. And the book is also available on Amazon. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I had a great time. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you liked the podcast, please rate, share, review. Those are the ways that we reach other parents to get them this information. And don't forget to visit MightyParenting.com and poke around there to see what we have for you. Thanks so much for joining us and being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a mighty parent and you got this. So I will see you next week.